Sitten ja... vi ho 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 tanak. Hello and welcome back to Football Again from the only English language podcast dedicated to Armenian football. I am your host Adam and I am joined here by the usual suspects Chadens and Armen. Uh it's been a while gentlemen. How are you? We're back. Woo! Yeah, we're back. back. Uh we're yeah. back for our last episode of this awful year that is 2021. Uh so we are going to be wrapping up a lot of things. Uh, we have a lot of ground to cover, so let us get straight into it. Uh we will be starting in the Armenian Premier League and Vbet Cup. Uh the Armenian Premier League has been extremely interesting this season. Um and as we had suspe- as we suspected and as we've kind of talked about, um it's getting a lot more competitive, right Chadens? Yeah, from what we how we started from the start of the season and how we ended up here now. Mm-hmm. It's it's this completely different uh, story, completely different story. Like right before the call, we were just saying uh, how Alashkert is actually winning games right now, all yeah. of a sudden, and they're sitting in fifth place. They're sitting in fifth place. They have five wins in a row. But I, I, I don't think we can talk about the APL without mentioning um, the top three teams who are teams that maybe we expect two out of the three. One of them is a little bit of a surprise, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the team in first place for a minute. Arara Armenia. Uh, they, so far in the 15 matches played, have won 13, drawn one, and only lost once. They have a plus 24 goal differential, and they're on 40 points. Now, for context for listeners, Alashkert won the league last year on 46 points after 23 games. So it looks like Adada Armenia is going to absolutely crush that record. But not far behind them in second place on 32 points is Punic, who have 10 wins, two draws, and three losses, and a plus nine goal difference. Um, Punic has been, I would say, maybe the side that everyone's silently rooting for, uh, because they're, you know, they're, they're a good team without their, (laughs) without, they do have some flaws and and I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss that. Um, and in third place, which is, I'd say probably the team that all three of us would like to see in European competition next year, uh, is Adarat Yerevan, who is of course managed by um, Chakchan. Uh, they have nine three yeah. draws and three losses on 30 points with a plus 14 goal difference. Um, that rounds out the top three. And it is looking like Arara Armenia may actually run away with the title, but we're looking at a possibility of having Arara Armenia, Punic, and Arara Yerevan in European competition. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Armin? How would you, would you be happy if it's those three teams, plus whoever wins the cup, which we'll get to that? Uh, as long as Ararat, as both Ararats make Europe, I'll be that, like that's a start. You know, I'll be somewhat happy and contempt and satisfied because the two Ararats play great. Honestly, uh, very different because Ararat Armenia is deadly. You know, mm-hmm. they <laughs> if they smell blood. But however it comes, even if they play bad or good, oh, they're going to go for it. They're going to go for the kill. Uh, on on the other hand, Arat Armenia is, in my opinion, the team that plays the best. But 
kind of underperforms in terms of results. They don't get as many results as they should, and that's why they've been slipping to third place behind Punic now. Mm-hmm. And but we're gonna talk about the matchup between Punic and Ararat. Maybe Ararat Yerevan can change their luck for the better. Yeah, uh, I, I just think it, it, this kind of goes back to what we've been talking about. Uh, and, and the thing that we've honed in on when it comes to Ararat Yerevan is their defense, um, which I think if you have a aging Hurad Mukoyan as your anchor central defender, you're going to let okay. in goals. And and that's that's is very much their issue right now. Uh, and I think if they can solve that, and by solve that I mean get some good Armenian defenders, <laughs> like... Artur Kartashian, I think he would have been a, a revelation for them, but of course he's not going there. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, we're going to talk Mukoyan and Ararat's defense and, and, and of course, Kartashian in a little bit. Yeah. So, so don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, so th- I think that would have that would have worked out. But um, mm. in the bottom half of the table, we have Van Noravank and Bekma uh, rounding out the bottom. And I think this comes as... Um, a bit a bit of a shock, I would say. We're, we're actually down to only nine teams now in the league because FC Sevon has withdrawn from the league. Um, it's something it's a bit kind of been a focal point so far of the season, and a lot of the players from uh, Sevon are now going to other clubs in the APL. Uh, but not having Sevon compete is uh, is going to, of course, affect the table. And now the bottom place, instead of being directly relegated, is actually going to be playing in a relegation playoff. Uh, which, as of now, it looks like it's Bekma, who only have two wins so far this season. Um, I'm hoping it's not them. I actually want them to stay up. I, I think it's actually crucial for our development that they stay up. Um, they could stay up. I think they will. I think I think I see Noravank getting rele- relegated. That's but we'll we'll see. if if they if Bekma could string together two three wins in a row, I think they I think they would have saved themselves. I mean, bro. Uh, one minute to discuss Bakma because they have six points, right? Two wins. Mm-hmm. Both wins came in the last two months. Yeah. I mean, for for three or four months, they were winless and pointless. And all of a sudden, they're within reach of both Noravank and Van. With yep. Also, side note, by the way, not unimportant at all. Both Van and Noravank will be playing the Armenian Cup semifinals in April. So that would give you, if you're a Bugma, like the whole month of March to catch up. Because, you know, Van and Noravank are going to be speculating a bit with uh, trying to win the cup. God, I hope they don't. (laughs) I hope they don't. Well, they won't. They won't yeah, they, win it. They should be being should realistic, have. but they are having their attention split up. Yeah, like it or not. So well, Bukma can really capitalize on that. Just rounding out this Armenian Premier League, uh, I don't think we can talk about being halfway through the season without having a player to to highlight. Um, as and we can each pick a different player. I just have one player here that I think has been the standout by far from any player, but feel free, Chanans and Armin, to chime in on who you think your player was the half. But I'm going to actually be picking Malison Lima of Arada Armenia. He is a left winger. He is the reason why 
Uh, Gerard Charroyan has not been getting minutes, and for good reason, I would say. He has 12 goals and 6 assists so far this season in 16 appearances. So he has 18 goal contributions in 16 appearances, which is over one a match. Um, he has contributed to 51% of the goals scored by Adana Armenia in the league so far this season. Um, and he has been, I mean, a revelation. Uh, not only is that reflected in his transfer value, he is uh, valued at half a million dollars, and that is the highest valued player in the entire Armenian Premier League. Uh, but he is definitely leading the charge uh, for Adana Armenia's future European hopes. Uh, whether or not he will stay with Adana Armenia after or not remains a mystery. Um, I have a feeling he will, knowing that with this whole new conference league structure, knowing that he has a really good team around him, they have a decent manager, they're doing really, really well, um, I think he would stick around. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Who is your player of this half? Chadens, let's start with you. Uh, why would I not pick Kardashian without mentioning him every single episode? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, with what happened with Sevan, but... Uh, he had he was a crucial player in mm-hmm. uh, Sevan's defensive side. Therefore, I w- he would be my go-to player. Yeah, I mean, I don't think without him, Sevan definitely would not have been in the European spots that they were in, for sure. I think mm-hmm. that's a good pick. Odman, what do you think? Who is your player of the half of this season? I'm gonna go with the uh, APL goal scorer Serge Deble because he has returned. From a long spell in Denmark, where he actually performed very well, very well as well, like in Armenia, and he comes back to be coached again by coach Vardan uh, uh reuniting with the whole staff and players from Shirak Gyumri, and it's like he never left. Uh, mm-hmm. He is by far the top goal scorer of the season, and. In fact, he's the one keeping Ararat Yerevan's hopes of making Europe. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, honorable mention for me is going to be Gerard Margarian, the left back for Ararat Yerevan, because he oh, yeah. is currently the top assister in the league. Uh, he is killing it out there, made his Armenian national team debut. We're looking forward to seeing a lot more of him in the so future. So good, man. Uh, yeah, but we're going to talk, we're gonna talk Ararat Yerevan in a bit. Yeah. Uh, so wrapping up in Hayastan, we have the Armenian VBET Cup semifinals that's going to be taking place uh, not for a while. Is that in March? April. April. April the 1st. April the 1st. Semifinals so. simultaneously. Yes. It's going to be have, go bloody. <laughs> yes, we have Ararat versus Noravank in one leg, and then we have Urardu versus Van in the other. Uh, just a reminder for everyone, this is going to be uh, for a European place. Uh, the winner of the VBET Armenia Cup gets a place in the UEFA Conference League. Um, moving on to our next topic, uh, we're going to discuss the women's national team. I'll hand this over to you, Admin. Oof, hard one. I mean, it's never nice to come off two defeats, two big defeats. Um, but we did know it in a way because we knew beforehand that this November window, last November window, was probably the 
most difficult fixture for the ladies so far since uh, returning to competitive football after a whole decade of not competing. Uh, and they were always, we were always going to be most likely like thrashed against both Belgium and Norway. The results were, I mean, they speak for themselves, 19-0 against Belgium and 10-0 against Norway, both losses, both top world-class teams. But so that explains it. But at the same time, uh, even though we shouldn't focus on results, but rather like on how to improve, always trusting the process, uh, not mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. exactly. That should be the approach. Key points. Yeah. But that being said, we have discussed how Coach Sanamyun had previously previously made some big tactical mistakes we did notice and mentioned and discussed throughout our previous episodes. Sadly, those mistakes have not been worked on. I don't know if they like if they approached it or not, if they approached the mistakes we noticed and we try to solve on our show, but we're not the coach. Uh, the, the, the true fact is those things have not been seen on the pitch. A couple good things or interesting facts about the women's national team is that uh, our center back, Christina Alexanian, got two clean sheets in the women's champions league. That is huge. Uh, take a minute to think, like, to let that sink in. We don't have any men's national team players playing Champions League, at least for a couple mm. of years now. And all of a sudden, first year of women's national team playing competitively, and we already have one center back at that playing with our Champions League group stages. Sadly, speaking about Alexanian, we still haven't seen an Alexanian and Khachatrian, Armenia Khachatrian, center back duo play together yet. They are the two Armenians, by the way, that have played UEFA Champions League in the women's version. We ha- we are yet to see them, the the two play together. When they do, it's going to be a big improvement for the national team, trust me. Uh, and the last interesting news is that we got two young uh, newcomers from diaspora from the USA, more precisely, called up to the national team this last window with several more coming for the next year. So, again, this is a process, but Coach Sanamian should not like uh, ignore the fact that we are seeing some big issues and some big mistakes that should be worked on. And that's it for the women's national team. We have other... Yep. Uh, just, just to add something about. as well. Okay. Uh, just to add something as well, just to uh, explain uh, to uh, the listeners, uh, the mistake that UEFA had made that they realized after all these big scores, because w- Armenia was not the only team that conceded uh-huh. this many goals, uh, with a basically with a big margin. Uh, I think it was uh, England beating uh, yeah. Latvia, Latvia, I believe, 20-0. Latvia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a big score, it's a big margin, and UEFA clearly realized this issue. And if I'm not mistaken, they are uh, working on this uh, 
on this new method, uh, which is going to be like a UEFA Nations League style, just like we have for men's, so that they can have it uh, more in order, in a way where it's more fair, uh, the teams yeah, but, that play against each other. But then again, uh, that shouldn't excuse us. No, no, no. Our results, that state. should not excuse. But because just to have a clear context, game. that will happen. Yeah, well we, well, we didn't score. That's one of the... Key, yeah, that's one key of the things mistakes. that uh, happened. Yeah, like but we didn't the, score any goals. Yeah, but the Belgian game, uh, yeah, oh yeah, that not scoring is a big issue, different issue. But defensively speaking, the mistakes made, strategic and lineup mistakes made uh, against Belgium were actually mostly fixed against Norway, which is a much harder team than Belgium. And we like reduced the distance uh the, the goal difference by half so there's always things we can work on and it was visible from the belgium game worked on to the norway game yeah uh so we'll we'll keep an eye out on on the women's game and and, and as it progresses like we said previously we don't really have any real expectations, but we don't expect to lose 19-0. Um, hopefully the Federation maybe reflects on that a little bit. And, of course, there are going to be growing pains, but it's just not um, – you, you should never be okay with that type of scoreline. Uh, moving on to the Armenian under-18s. Chadid, tell us a little bit about what's been going on there. As we mentioned it before uh, – in, on our website, and uh, we mentioned it often on Twitter, the FFA, they were planning on holding an unofficial friendly, and they did, uh, for the U18 national team. They called up around 10 young players from the diaspora on most of our youth camps for competitive games. We usually tend to have two to five diasporans tops. So this was a big change. Most high-profile clubs of origin include... Zenit from Russia, uh, from France, Metz, Troy, and Lorient. Is it uh, the Armenia? Trois? Is it Trois? Is that uh, how uh, Armen will correct me? Is it? Oui, oui. Trois. <laughs> All right. Well, no, excusez-moi. Uh, excusez-moi, mon frère. Uh, Armenia U18 played <laughs> twice versus Belarus at home in Yerevan. Uh, with a 2-2 draw and a loss uh, of 1-2 scoreline. The game analysis, Armin can um, mostly say this as well. Armenia was, uh, they were more reliant on short passing football as uh, they often do, but not counting on too much of uh, possession. Uh, They lacked of sync considering most of the squad players play together uh, for the first time, they 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 don't really know each other. This is a this is an issue. We have seen this kind of things in the men's national team. We're not really going to get into that, but if you've listened to us uh, previously, you'd know this kind of affects communication on many levels. Uh, Belarus really dangerous on the counters and set pieces. This was their key thing, and Armenia was vulnerable we should admit that armin what as, what are your thoughts as, as we we usually are vulnerable yeah. and unfortunately counters, yeah. set pieces uh, this brings me 
like this reminds me of how Ireland plays in, on senior national team uh, and Iceland plays. It's they're, they're very similar teams. And this Belarus team is a little U18. Belarus team is a little bit like that. So everything is connected. We are very much reliant on every national team we got on short passing, tiki taka, uh, that kind of play. And we really, we suck at set pieces. Just seems That's to be an all across the board here, right? Not just sucking at set pieces. Maybe something the Federation <laughs> take, should take notes. Um, it's so, always the set pieces. It's always the set pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go one year up uh, and speak about the Armenian U19s uh, who made the elite round, uh, as previously mentioned in our last show. And we were drawn into uh, arguably the most difficult group. However, looking at all the groups in uh, the U19 Euro qualifiers, every group is a hard group. So Armenia oh, No, take- it's not for the qualifiers. It's for the elite round. Yeah, elite round for the European qualifier for European. Yeah, this champions. is kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So they went through a preliminary round where Armenia got second place in the group behind Croatia. Now they got into the second round of qualifiers, <laughs> where only first place makes it to the final tournament, uh, which will be taking place uh, next year. So Armenia will play against England, Portugal, and Ireland for a chance to make the UEFA U19 Euros. Um, the last edition of the competition was held back in 2019 uh, in, well, actually, it was, was it 2019? Yeah, it was 2019. Yeah, it was 2019. I was at in, the final, yeah. It was, it was in Armenia. Yeah. I actually landed, Spain I think. Spain against in, Portugal. I landed yep. in Armenia, I want to say, right after the tournament had ended. Or right before the tournament, <laughs> actually. Right before the tournament, like, I think a week before the tournament, I actually went back home. Uh, <laughs> so I was there for a couple of weeks. Right before it. Unfortunately, I didn't get to catch a game. Uh, but Damn. tough group, guys, right? England, Portugal, uh, Ireland. It's, it's Portugal's the, the scariest. Yeah. For, well, me, it, for me, for Portugal's the scariest. Look, at the end of the day, like Armin said, it's the elite round. I mean, <laughs> we, we didn't. We, the best of the best. And, and considering the, it's only eight teams make it to this competition, which. Again, if, if UEFA is so hell-bent on expanding the format, why don't they expand youth formats exactly. so more youth teams get to compete instead of playing qualifiers once a year, getting your ass kicked, and then not playing for another year? I think it's kind of real. Elite round is basically senior national team Euro group stages. Yeah, in a, in a way, yeah, it, it's kind of like that. Uh, but not exactly. Not technically. They're kind of developing really. on it. Like, okay, let's let's look. <laughs> hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up this Portugal U19 team and let's just see. I just I'm curious to see where do these players play. I yeah. Just good know. luck seeing a lot of Porto, Sporting, Sporting, <laughs> Benfica. Yeah. Their academies are sick. They have good one luck. kid that plays in Basel. He's a winger. Uh, oh, one kid God. that plays for Mönchengladbach. Well, I'm sure they get they get game, game time. That's that's the biggest factor. Not mm-hmm. that they play in big teams, but they get game time. That's they the biggest thing. They probably do because Portugal yeah. loves to play their youth. Oh, they don't just love it. It's their philosophy. They mm-hmm. always Fact. play them. That's why that's why they scare me the most because they're they're the Fact. most experienced. 
There, then, there are some nations that uh, European nations that prioritize academies before mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. else. Uh, I would name there you five: go. Portugal, Switzerland, and of course, Nor um, Netherlands and Belgium. And you can add another one if you want. But Espanya. those four? No, yeah. no, those four are like uh, for sure ones. Completely for sure ones. But, no, I, I mean specialists, you know? Yeah, Those yeah they're, they're, they're good. Export, yeah, ex they import players from anywhere in the world as well as uh, their domestic countries and raise them and export them to the best leagues in the world. Those four countries that not necessarily excel when it comes to senior national teams and whatnot, but their academies are sick, are the best in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So That's how they're more experienced in everything. So it starts at, off with elite round. Looking at the U19 uh, England, I'm taking a look at their team right now. They're mm -hmm. players from Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, Juventus. But they don't play. That's but they don't play. They don't often play. However, mm -hmm. they are. They don't. However, if they are where they're at, they're probably good. I mean, their last result was against Sweden, uh, and they beat Sweden 2-0. So. No, they are good. It's just that... Comparison with uh, yeah, they're not youngsters. They're not no. Uh, they don't often play as much as the Portuguese. A Portuguese team would have more confidence in playing their young uh, Gonçalves rather than yeah. uh, a young Smith for yeah. England. So and and Ireland, who is arguably the the only team we can probably hope to get any points off of, uh, is. <laughs> Pretty much very similar to us. They have a lot of like domestic Irish people. They have some a couple players in. They have one, two, three players in Premier League academies. Uh, interestingly enough, they have uh, three players that are completely outside of the UK. Uh, their goalkeeper. They have a goalkeeper at Schalke, a central defender at Wolfsburg, and a central forward at Inter Milan, uh, who's actually 16 years old playing Yo. with the U19s. Which is okay. Crazy. Well, yeah, U19. Okay, still good. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I like our boys. I like our boys' chances. Uh, considering pretty much all of our entire U19 that plays. Have been, that could in, have been so misunderstood. I, what, 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 what are you talking? About? I like <laughs> our boys. Icelandic. Like, <laughs> Icelandic. Well, getting to the point, they're gonna be finished. Uh, the games, the which are gonna be like mini tournaments. Uh, they're going to be completed by 29th of March. So mm -hmm. when we know the winners, they're going to join Slovakia uh, in the finals, which is going to be from 18th mm -hmm. of June until the 1st of June. Yep. And well, then this, this in a way, will act like a final tournament uh, for the Europe's qualifiers for the 2023 FIFA U20 World Cup in, the, in Indonesia. Oh, that's even. I think yeah, it's gonna be the same age group it's because a of how yeah. because of how mm. it's um how they progress. Just yeah, how how people age, you know. <laughs> it's it's pretty much gonna be the same group. So um, very very interested, very excited. Um, hopefully yeah, the national Speaking team does well. What's up? We gotta talk about the UEFA Youth League. And yes, we do. One... Our, our one, one player participant <laughs> this year. It's like, it's weird, right? Because yeah. each year, each season, 
of UEFA Youth League, we have one diasporan Armenian participating in some random top-notch European club. Yes, and this one was no different. Uh, we had Bayern U19's Hrant Mamedova Janeosian, or otherwise known as Grant Leon Mamedova, uh, who was knocked out of the UEFA Youth League. Um, he's Bayern's top goal scorer in the U19 Bundesliga. Uh, but in the uh, UEFA Youth League, he only had three appearances and he was unable to register a goal. Um, being a Bayern fan and you know, obviously following the youth, their youth football, I, I could just tell from this season, it for some reason, it didn't seem like a priority to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why. I think I think losing the first two games just made them say, you know what, forget it. Like we don't, we're not yeah. just not going to deal with this competition anymore. Um, but uh, in slightly better news, Huran seems to be nearing and edging closer and closer to first team at Bayern. Um, he does have slight competition ahead of him. Uh, there's one uh, other player who's also 18 years old who has made the first team and is a forward. Uh, but he's getting there. He trains with the senior squad during international breaks. He did preseason. Um, we can anticipate maybe him breaking in next season to the first team. If not, maybe getting a loan to another Bundesliga or Bundesliga 2 club. Exactly. Uh, like, so, do, you, do you happen to know when his contract runs out? He actually just signed an extension for like three more years. So he's that, at Bayern for a, yeah. for a long time. Why doesn't he go on loan for like for one year long loan? He why will. Do that? Bayern, have, Bayern have their methodology. And it mm. obviously works for a reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're successful for a reason, and that tends to be that when a te- when a player breaks into the first team, they'll play first team football with Bayern for a few months. Uh, and if they are exceptional, and I mean mm. exceptional, and that uh, we're talking Jamal Musiala, they stick around. If yeah. they're mm-hmm. really good, but maybe the, the, this is what the Bayern brass is very good about making the decision to say, you know what, this player is amazing. Would be a great rotational player. Get a few minutes off mm-hmm. the bench. Mm-hmm. However, they would benefit better for from playing elsewhere for a season. They'll send them exactly. off. Most of our Bayern players. I was just looking at um, Bavarian Football Works does this ni- nice graphic of uh, loan players, Bayern loan players, and, and what their performances are. They play pretty much everywhere. We have players in Bundesliga. Uh, the Bundesliga, Bundesliga 2, in actually Liga, there's like several, including one of our goalkeepers. Um, random top 10 European leagues. So, yeah. and and Sound they like. all, and and the good thing about Bayern is they don't, they would not loan a player out to a club unless they know that club is going to actually be playing their player. And they have actually recalled players from loan who weren't getting playtime because that just defeats the entire purpose of the loan, right? So. Similar to Portuguese, I think they do that as well. Mm-hmm. That's that's German logic at its finest. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like he's, it's how he's, things should be. Harant is doing really well. He has uh, what seven goals and four assists in 19 appearances so far so far this season. He scored in the DFB Junior Pokal. He has six goals and four assists in the U19 Bundesliga. He's doing really well. Uh, so I think it's going to be a patience game. I don't um, anticipate him making his Bayern debut for a while. Uh, maybe, maybe at the tail end of the season, if if Bayern wraps up uh, the league early, early <laughs> I, which I don't think that's going to happen this year. Uh, but uh, 
Maybe we'll see him. Uh, elsewhere, we have the Conference League on men. Uh, or, you know what, Chavins. Well, this is Chavins. This is a little closer at home. Anor Thorsi. How are, <laughs> <laughs> how are they doing in the Conference League with our boy Hobo? Uh, it was, they were unfortunate. I was uh, I was watching the last minutes of the game. Oh, it was so close. They, it, it, they could have got that win. And they would have gone through to the knockout rounds. Unfortunately, they missed out. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, by a point or two, they missed out. Uh, so we're not going to have Hollande uh, Samparsumian playing for the knockout rounds in European com- competition. However, Anorthosis is um, back in battling for a conference position in the league. Therefore, we're, uh, we're definitely looking forward to that. Yes, uh, so we only, as Chavins mentioned, have one Armenian player playing in European competition now, and that is Mokhitaryan. Uh, he qualified yeah. with Roma for the round of 16 in the Conference League. They're waiting uh, for the playoff round to go to happen in a couple months' time to know who their round of 16 opponent is going to be. Elsewhere in yeah. Conference League, uh, Kairat and Kamohovanesian were promptly uh, got the shit kicked out of them and <laughs> gotten... <laughs> Got knocked out, and it's uh, rumored that Kamo is going to leave Kairat, but we'll talk about that a little later. And Mm -hmm. Alashkert finished off their uh, very painful European campaign at home in Yerevan, where they tied one all uh, with uh, who was it again? It was the the side from Israel, correct? Maccabi Tel Aviv. There you go, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they actually won Armenia's first ever point in European competition. So um, maybe that helped our coefficient. Maybe Never, didn't. Expected. Never uh, expected that one to happen, to be honest. Yeah, after the first few performances. I don't know, maybe a bit it helped. Like, tiny bit. I don't know. I, I, I'm Look, I have such a hard time understanding coefficients, honestly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even look at them. We should email UEFA. Yeah, email them. Tell us. Make us a nice little graphic video explaining coefficients. I legit told them. Sense. If I want to email you, I cannot find your email. Please let me know. And they didn't inform me anything. Oh, yeah, of course they're not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So moving on to one of our favorite segments here, which is Armenian Players Abroad. Uh, Speaking of Kamo Hovanesian and Kairat Almaty, uh, they were in the Kazakh Cup final where they played Shakhtar uh, Karagandi, Gevok Najarian's team. Uh, and they drew three all, but Kairat won in a penalty kick shootout. Kamo played the whole game uh, and scored his penalty. Uh, Najarian came on in the second half. He is still eligible to play for Armenia. I don't know. Armen is really pushy about this. He, um, is. <laughs> he is, and he would help us so much. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, any other player would. Any player no, would. I, like, we have a defensive mid is we're gonna get into this later but defensive mid is where we lack the most yes for uh, i mean like no argument there you're not gonna get any arguments for me but you know whatever <laughs> well <laughs> oh uh oh sorry Wait. quick caveat i was looking at the coefficients Wait. and we got 1.875 oh. coefficient points this season uh whatever big, that means from alashkert's uh, <laughs> european campaign we are currently ranked 
41st out of 55. So, I mean, I guess it could oh, be worse. Okay, that, that's, that's all right. Uh, but funnily enough, uh, this isn't the most points we've earned, actually. Far from it. In the, tw- in the 1920 season, that was when uh, Ottawa uh, Army, yeah. made their yeah. crazy run to the playoffs. We actually got 2.75 coefficient points so Yo, Arata I, Armenia this without, Arata Armenia this Arata Armenia reminds me of that Arata Armenia from 1918 you get the idea I'm, so despite I suck at math despite not even playing in a group stage Arata Armenia managed to get more coefficient points for Alashkev <laughs> than Alashkev did playing in an actual group let stage. that sink in yeah, wrap that one around your head. Um, yeah, and, right. and next season, Arat Armenia is going to do the same and and hopefully even better. Yes. And, uh, speaking of doing even better, someone who is just doing the complete opposite, uh, which is worse every time we check in with him, Briasco Palakian of Boca Juniors made it to the Argentina Cup final, which he promptly won and proudly has a winner's medal around his neck, uh, but <laughs> did not play a single minute. Um, after that, uh, all of the Boca boys got onto a plane and <laughs> took this awesome trip to Spain where they were playing against FC Barcelona in the Diego Maradona Cup. And Balakian was the only forward and midfielder that <laughs> did not play in that match. So... Things are going just awesome for Norberto in his decision to stay at home in Boca instead of expanding his horizons and going abroad. But you know uh, what? I'll digress. We, I think we, we've already made our opinion very clear that he should have picked, um, as good as Boca is, he should have picked the European club. Yep. Should have Armen, he should have been to Las Palmas. Yeah. There, there's a few players that you've been very keen about. Uh, you want to take finally, these ones? I, finally, I get some good news. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I don't think it's necessary at this point to uh, really elaborate much on Edward Spertian. He's shining, he's driving everyone crazy in Russia. Uh, like, literally. They are so sad and bringing it, bring it up like time and again. Why didn't he choose us? Well, he's Armenian, baby. That's it. Um, <laughs> Uh, elsewhere with more statistics, actual statistics, we got Vahambe Chachian, Artur Avagimian, and Artur Galoyan all over Eastern Europe and Slovakia, Ukraine, and Russia, respectively. They keep scoring, assisting, shining. They are their team's best players by far. Talk about healthy habits, right, Chema? Um, all three of them, if I like I like to draw comparisons and stuff. All three of them will be in the eye of several European clubs. They already are, actually. Uh, we have mentioned all of this before, and we will. But this winter, this winter transfer window, uh, most of them will be transfer, transferred out. Uh, we are gonna get to that later on with the uh, transfer rumors and stuff. And even though <laughs> this is not a player, technically. He was a player, though. Uh, he is an Armenian abroad. Uh, we're talking about coach Michel de Zakarian uh, in France, letting his team rest or rest to an insane. Rest. Oui, merci beaucoup. 
je suis la baguette. Um, oh là là, sacre bleu. And Brest is having an insane season with a huge, like, okay, maybe I, I think they have lost already and broke that streak. But they went on a seven-game undefeated streak, which for Brest is sick. Is like le sick. Because they're a minnow in Ligue 1. And you wouldn't expect them to win, to go seven games undefeated. But that, that's not the headline, though. They actually, listen to this. They actually beat Marseille one to away at the Velodrome in, like, the Armenian home of Western Europe that is Marseille. And uh, that was huge. I mean, Michel Zakarian's sides are usually known for kind of fluking out by the end of the season and whatnot, like losing their grip. Uh, but he was really, ultimately, he was hired to save the, the team from relegation. And, well, they're, uh, they're, like, they're getting the job done and very well done. Beating Marseille yeah. is no joke. He's currently, after 18 matches played in the league, Brest have six wins, six draws, and six losses. That's uh, great for them. 25 goals scored, 27 goals conceded, so then negative two goal differential. They sit on 24 points, one point ahead of Olympique Lyon. So, Jesus. Well. Think about, yeah, think that he was hired to save the team from relegation. Mm-hmm. And they're well, actually well, one point behind Lille. And one point behind Nantes and one point behind Angers. So technically, with a win, they can jump as high as eighth place, which is crazy. So actually, high. Yeah. 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 They can jump as high as seventh place, actually, with a win. And if other results go their way. So they're very much in the mix, which is very exciting to see. So it's not the only one, it's not the only thing we can have in France, though, is it? Chadens, what else do we have in France? Oh boy, this is unfortunate. Yeah, uh, this unfortunate thing, but there's obviously hope. Gorman Velian keeps making the bench for Nantes. Uh, Nantes, uh, Armin, you go for it. Uh, but still can't <laughs> manage to get onto the pitch. Yeah, but then again, uh, as Michel Desacarian's uh, streak broke. Uh, Gorman Villian's streak of being on the bench is over as well. He's lately not featured, really. So that's not good news. Yeah, I mean, look, we, 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 he'll make his debut at some point this season. We'll see it. It'll happen. We just need you to know, be patient. Actually, I've been reading around and, and on social, and, jeez, uh, I sound like a teenager on social. <laughs> uh No, no teenager says that. Just, just okay, so you know. Okay. <laughs> no teenager uh, says I'm on social. No, I read not, social. Really though, no. uh, Nantes uh, fans really love Gore and are in a very bad way surprised that he isn't featuring at all or given chances at all, and they are already vouching in a way like pushing agenda to have him go alone and get some minutes and come back to not a made man the way the way it usually is for youth players with like talents like Gore. 
I don't know, man. Young Armenians and France. I don't know if that's worked out in our favor in the past. <laughs> Hopefully uh, this one's different. That, well, we'll that's see. a cheap shot. I know. Well, you gotta you gotta take it where you can. <laughs> uh, speaking of cheap shots, there is nothing cheap about our next topic, which are transfers Ooh, and transfer the rumors, the money makers, the deals. Speaking of the deals and making money and uh, not a better fashion sense because of it, Tigran Bosakan <laughs> has signed a three-year deal with Slovan Bratislava in Slovakia, uh, worth two and a half million euros. Uh, he was bought for two and a half million euros, correct? From Astana, Armin? Yeah, and yeah. honestly, <laughs> two and a half million euros for Tico seems like very cheap. Uh, and in very well Eastern European fashion, I bet there was more behind it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure some <laughs> shit was going plus, here and there. Plus, he reportedly said, man, he reportedly said he chose uh, Slovan over Russian teams and elsewhere uh, because of the money. So, yeah, and, and it was and, top Russian clubs interested in him, like Spartak Moscow. Yeah, and and Slovan was in the Conference League. They unfortunately had to win their last match in order to continue, and they did not. So they're, they're an interesting team on that okay. aspect. They're currently top of the league uh, by three points. They still have a game in hand. Uh, they're probably going to win the league. They're probably going to be in Champions League qualifiers. So it's very likely that they will make European competition again next season, uh, which is expected by Slovan. Um, exactly. Being, I, I, went on, I went on their Twitter profile, and, and you know what their Twitter header is? Um, uh, the team that beat Barcelona in the European Cup Finals <laughs> in like 1960-something. And I was like, okay, Jesus Christ. Lovely. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, uh, we have some interesting rumors of, uh, that were swirling around of Henrik Mkhitaryan and potentially leaving uh, AS Roma for another side in Italy. Uh, but since those rumors actually surfaced, um, Mourinho had actually changed Mkhitaryan's role into a more central role from a winger. And he's been playing as a number 10 for AS Roma. And they have since been slapping everyone uh, left, right and center. Roma are currently uh, in the... They are pretty much in the title race, actually. And said, uh, um, I don't think they'll win, but very possible that they can get a Champions League place. They are currently only five points behind Napoli uh, and six points behind Atalanta, who hold uh, third and fourth place respectively. So Jose Mourinho and Roma pushing for a uh, European spot, and I highly, highly doubt Henrik will leave. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think the change to number 10 for Henrik, it was the game changer. I, I've read it in different Roma forums. I've seen it on social media. Um that was the catalyst move, uh, playing Henrik in a deeper role, letting him be the transitioner. Um, it's it's made a world of a difference. I don't know. Maybe the national team can take note. Um, <laughs> this one, Armin, mm-hmm. I'll let you take on because I know you're very excited about this one. Uh, tell us about Galoyan. <laughs> Not Galoyan, right? Galoyan. Uh, the usual joke. Uh, okay, yeah. This is the first of the two big news we got today. Uh, other than Tico moving to Sloan, which is not as big as this, in my opinion, because this is a huge rumor. Apparently, Artur Galoyan, who, about whom we've been talking, uh, his transfer market increased since our last show from like 600 
thousand euros to eight hundred thousand, almost a million. But that's not the most interesting thing. A wild, and I mean wild, fight for his services has unfolded, including teams like Lokomotiv Moscow, uh, Rostov, our very well-known Armenian-like Rostov, Ufa, also in Russia, a minnow in the Russian Premier League, and hear this, Belgian giants, Ghent. That was huge to hear. Uh, interesting facts. I don't know. Ufa say they want him. They want him so bad that they're gonna try to sell more than one player to like from their squad to get extra cash to splash for Arthur for our young Armenian talent, who by the way repeatedly expressed his desire to play for Armenia and Armenia alone. Uh, this has caused kind of very much unhappiness within Russian Federation circles, uh, among other results. His move six months ago to CSK Moscow, which was basically a done deal with former CSK uh, coach Ivica Olic. You guys remember especially Adam from Bayern Munich. Oh, yeah. He was one of my favorite forwards at Bayern. Well, he was the coach that wanted to bring Artur Galoyan to CSKA. And he said on, on press conference that he was very happy with what he saw from him. And he was very happy to have him at CSKA. Well, guess what happened? They froze him out. And six months later, here we are with him almost on the verge of going to Belgium. So talk about silver linings. Uh, hopefully yeah. it will happen, though. I think I think it's a positive. The farther he gets away from the Russian sphere of influence, the better for him. Yeah. Uh, and Ghent, mm. of course, as as previously mentioned, not too long ago on this show, uh, they are in European competition. They were in the yep. same group as Hobos Anaforsi. So he will be in a European squad. He'll be playing in a very good league. I think this is a win-win. And he actually, uh, I'm not sure if you knew this on him, he actually confirmed talks uh, yesterday. Yep. Uh, he they're said very, they're pretty much advanced already. Yeah. So Hopefully he said it happens though. Hopefully no, no, no signature yet as of yet. Exactly. Uh, but he did confirm it. So did uh, so did the president of his club, uh, Velas Moscow, mm-hmm. also confirmed talks. So yeah, he's very close. we'll see. I feel like he's um, I feel like he's someone that is a lot smarter than most. Just that's the sense mm-hmm. I'm getting. Uh, yeah. Hopefully he makes the right decision. I know I'm sure locomotive. Uh, oh, and he wants to go to Ghent. I don't think it's gonna be up to him. Uh, I don't know how things work and and like in those spheres, the business, the lawyer and thing. But mm-hmm. if you if it was up to him, he said, uh, if it's up to me to go, if I get an offer from Western European big team like Ghent, I will take it. So I think it's waiting for the final offer to come. Yeah. So hopefully, um, hopefully that comes soon. Another player that we've actually been talking about uh, that we've mentioned several times who we're kind of dumbfounded hasn't been in the Armenian national team picture is Arthur Avagim. Another Arthur. Yeah, who plays for uh, Choromnets in the Ukraine, uh, former Ukraine under 16, 17, and 19 international, um, former Alashkets player, uh, which we've discussed already previously about how 
his trials and tribulations <laughs> with Alashkit, like every other young Armenian player, um, is currently rumored uh, to be uh, in the interest of other Ukrainian Premier League sign, uh, notably who, Armin? He is reportedly, and this is still a rumor, but a pretty serious one, and not the first time he's been in contact with them, Alexandria team. Uh, Alexandria, that a couple of years ago, was almost going to sign Pedro Savedician from Ararat Armenia. The deal broke down. And now they're going after Artur Avagimian for the second time in six months. Apparently, after the, his last goal against Metalist, which we covered on uh, our Instagram, he mm-hmm. has privately, reportedly privately, came to an agreement with the, the top U- Ukrainian side that is fighting for European competitions. Probably not going to make it because they're on the odd side of the fight. But still, uh, pretty good move for him. Yeah, I mean, look, it could only benefit him. Of course, I would rather see him play for Zoria or Dinamo or Shakhtar. But, I mean, wherever he can get to. I don't don't think he's returning to Shakhtar. And given his Shakhtar history, I don't think he's going to go to Dinamo. Yeah, so, yeah, inch. Elsewhere, uh, we have some other interest, uh, interesting rumors that are swirling around that got uh, called out a couple days ago. Uh, Urardu and former uh, Urardu winger, former former Bekma and Armenia under 21 captain Nadek Grigorian has reportedly been getting interest from Belgian sides. Uh, no specifics. Clubs. We don't Speak know about Belgium. Uh, so suddenly there's mm-hmm. this peak of interest from Belgium, which got me thinking, um, maybe there's an Armenian somewhere in Belgium that just yep. so happens to keep tabs on Armenian players. Because uh, I mean, there's, there's a there's a big there's a big Armenian community in both Belgium and Switzerland. If we're talking about Western European countries with the uh, I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta give a little context to big. <laughs> Who's, yeah, yeah, what do you mean by big? You say this about every country. Not <laughs> geographical. Mean, it's not not everything's geographical. You gotta think in terms of influence. Like if there's someone in in a team or in something, we have one. Yeah, we have yeah. one in a team. We, well, you, we have this uh, coach you know challenge yourself in Belgium. Yeah. In Switzerland, we got uh, Artur Petrosian, who is like uh, in the know-how of everything regarding our former senior national team, Armenian national team coach Artur Petrosian. You guys remember him? He's in the know-how and inner circles of uh, two, actually two big Swiss teams in uh, young boys. And uh, no, that's not a joke. That's an actual big team in Switzerland. Uh, and Zuli. Oh yeah. Uh, so we got people. We got some people here. Yeah, and there. see, that's good. Yeah, and, and not, 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 not to mention, we have a former Armenian national team player, Ivan Yagan, who... Is the whole Yagan family in the Belgium. whole Yagan family play play in Belgium and and Ivan is actually uh, also involved in Armenia right at the club level he's been uh, isn't he a part owner of one of the clubs now we're, no we're, his, I think it's his brother or cousin uh, Harach I believe Harach Yagan that played in uh, Standard Liège which is also a cousin, big yeah. Standard Liège is a big team in Belgium and Harach oh for sure Harach was a defensive mid that played a great season there at one of the biggest teams in Belgium. 
And mm-hmm. for some reason, I don't know what happened because I was a, a teenager back then and I was thinking about other things. Uh, but mm. he, he basically stopped playing and went to Armenia, played a little bit here and there at the APL, but mostly became part holder, a shareholder uh, from uh, for Ararat Yerevan now. Yeah, interestingly, he finished off his career in Switzerland. He was there for the last four years uh, of his career. Retired kind of early. Yeah. He did play for Armenia twice. Uh, he made his debut in 2009. Uh, he had uh, 29 minutes against Moldova and uh, 16 minutes against Bosnia. Interesting. I, I bet I bet, I bet, bet injuries was what happened. Probably. I mean, I, 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 knowing Ivan was always injured, too. That's why he hardly played for the national team. So It's a family thing. Yeah, apparently. Um, another set of big news. Uh, football Genton Future stars. Uh, Armen Hovanesian is currently being followed by clubs from Poland, Kazakhstan, and other European uh, leagues. The well-rounded 21-year-old striker from FC Arara Armenia is unhappy with the situation. Um, after he had a successful loan spell in Slovakia, uh, then he went to Gonzasar, who, of course, uh, due to geopolitical reasons, uh, disbanded and found, ended up in Arara Armenia and has played little to no senior minutes. Um, uh, I think it would be a win if he leaves. Poland, of course, would probably be the ideal destination. Uh, yeah, even fall. even a minnow in, in Polish extra clutter. Yeah, it would, would be good. Um, so I think hopefully we could see something there, but you know we'll just keep tabs on that one. Uh, and stay tuned uh, for our next shows, uh, which will be more... During the transfer window, when that opens in January, we're going to take in exactly weeks. two weeks from our recording. <laughs> yes, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more transfers. But now for the big news, for the big part, for the big feature of this episode, uh, the, the main UEFA Nations League. Armenia was drawn into Group B1 in the UEFA Nations League after a successful campaign uh, last time out where we edged out North Macedonia to gain promotion from League C to League B. And Armenia were drawn into a group with Scotland, Ireland, and the Ukraine. Now, boys, considering who we could have drawn (laughs) and who else was in League B, uh, I know a lot of us were secretly hoping for Russia. Um... What are your initial thoughts? We'll start with you, Chadens. What are your initial thoughts on the group? Don't give me predictions. Just when you look at this group, what are your thoughts? Very good leveled teams. Three of them have different things to tackle, different things to challenge that Armenia has to face. And if we get this right, then... Hopefully, we're going to be on a good path. Armin, what are your initial thoughts? Just a quick synopsis. I was and still am satisfied. Happy in a way. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, so we have... It's a very interesting group. Now we'll dive a little deeper. We Uh have three teams that... One, we feel... I think I could comfortably say this. One we feel is beatable in mm-hmm. Ireland. Uh, uh-huh. I think the one yeah. we're mo- most evenly matched with. Yeah. One in Scotland is slight is is better than us, mm-hmm. but is still beatable. 
and then we on have a good day. and on a good day and then we have the ukraine who is going to be the well-oiled machine type team in our division that we don't expect to get a point off of mm-hmm. um but it's it's kind of a team structure that we can look at and say hey you know what they're clearly doing something right because of how good they are as a, as a team. They don't really have that many standout players, um, but they're a well-oiled machine. So we have we have this spectrum. We have an, a very, very good team, a European championship team. We have Scotland, who is also a European championship team, but they, they just they seem to it feels to me as though they seem to just somehow get there and they don't even know how they got there. That's just the sense in general. They don't they they can, they're not consistent. They cannot keep the same kind of pattern uh, yeah. the way they usually do and play. And then we have Ireland, who, of course, I mean, if you're like me, uh, and I'm sure a lot of, if you listen to this show, you probably are, uh, you have been waiting to see Ireland in the same group as Armenia ever since uh, that match in European qualifiers. That match. <laughs> that famous European uh, Euro 2012 qualifying match where that if Armenia had won would have gotten second place and played in the playoff. Um, the wrongful red card, uh, the that was the controversy, the Thierry Henry uh, handball gift to Ireland that gifted them a place in the in the Euros. Uh, that was extremely frustrating. But I'm I'm really excited to be playing them again. We're coming um, back. Now let's talk about expectations. Uh, considering, well, we'll talk about scheduling after this, but generally, don't think about scheduling. Looking at this group, uh, what are your expectations? Where do you expect Armenia to finish in this group? Challenge. Statistically speaking, third, third, uh, third place. Okay. Well, that wasn't a, a confident play. play. <laughs> that was not a confident play. Yeah, because there's a lot of things at play because we're talking about something that is in six months, and in six <laughs> months we can yeah, get a whole different. Happen. Yeah, we can get a whole different kind of team. They can get a different whole kind, of, a whole different kind of team. So it's it's very early to to predict, but I'm I'm just looking at. <laughs> The teams, I'm just looking at that picture and I'm still thinking, I, I don't know, I don't know, stuff, uh, third, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's too early. Amen. What are your thoughts? Uh, what do you think? I mean, what do you, what's your expectations? Where do you expect Armenia to finish in this group? Third or fourth, of course. Third or fourth. I mean, they're they're both equally realistic, in my opinion. We are still the weaker, uh, speaking objectively and and realistically. We are still the 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 minnows, the the less of course and we weaker are team. But we're, we're, we're the team that everyone wanted to draw. <laughs> everyone wanted us in their group. No, I I, I mean, both Ireland and our and ourselves are. Because mm-hmm. Ireland are the were the weaker from uh, part three, and we were the weaker from part four. So in a way, I, everyone and Ireland was expecting or was hoping to get us to get drawn against us, and everyone and us were expecting or hoping to get Ireland. So in a way, 
uh, it's a match made in heaven, and it's gonna be aside from the the whole uh, ten years ago game. Realistically, it's gonna be the two most evenly matched teams between Ireland and ourselves. Yes. Now let's discuss schedule. Uh, the schedule was released one day after the qualifying draw was made. And we have, of course, because of the uh, FIFA World Cup next year being held in November and December, uh, have a very, very interesting schedule here. We're going to be playing four matches in June and then two matches in September. So we're going to have a uh, it's it's not as spread out as we would have hoped it was. Uh, but we start away to Scotland on June 4th. Then we go home to the Republic of Ireland on June 7th. Then we go away to Ukraine, which is thankfully a short journey for us, um, on the 11th, four days later. And then we round off June at home to Scotland. Um, and then in September, we are home to the Ukraine. And then we travel away on the last match day again to the Republic of Ireland. Tough schedule, guys. Ten days, four matches in June. We're expecting a lot of rotation here, right? And how is that rotation going to play into all this? I mean, you have we have Ukraine, who is arguably our toughest team uh, in the third match, which we expect to be uh, to see a rotated team. And then a few days later, we have Scotland at home, which is a game that we would hope to get a point off of. And you want mm-hmm. your players well rested for that. Read my mind. Your Kaparos, what I mean, what do you do? Do you do you just say, you know, screw it? I mean, we're not going to beat Ukraine. Let's just play a rotated Red team. Let's press our guys from Scotland. Damn mind. How I would mean, you guys approach the schedule? Bro, is I mean, man management and minute management is just as much a part of sports as strategy squad depth and everything else uh fatigue is all if like ever important managing fatigue levels within your players so and and this is not the politically correct thing to say but who gives a rat's ass about that <laughs> let's be real here because that's the football game from way we tell it like it is uh the ukraine game away on june the 11th not it's not just the hardest game like we're probably gonna get trashed anyway might as well we have two key games before that and uh, basically one of the finals after that like three days after that uh i think like it doesn't even need to be said it couldn't be implied mm-hmm you know what? Now, it, it's how it is. Now, now looking at the schedule, obviously, I think two dates um, spring to the top of my list, at least. And that is the uh, home game against Ireland and our final match day, which is away to Ireland. Now, seeing as though uh, as it, it's looking like they're going to be our direct rivals uh, in this group uh, for exactly. that coveted third place to stay in League B, those two matches are the matches that we're going to have to win. I mean, it's going to be six. We need six points and we need Scotland and Ukraine to just absolutely ravage Ireland. That's, that's what we can hope for. And if we can nick a point at home 
against Scotland on the 14th, I think that should be enough to keep us in league. Hopefully. And it's doable. And, and, and it's doable if we play our cards right. Look, we're a drawing machine, apparently. <laughs> we could, If there's any team that could draw against a team like Scotland, <laughs> who in, in our group chat yesterday, we kind of started equating the teams uh, to our mm. World Cup qualifying groups. And we said, um, or at least I said, that to me, it feels like Scotland feels like the Romania of this group, which is a team that is, for us, very beatable. Uh, but and even on a bad day, we won't lose to them that hard. That's what I feel about Scotland. I about I, Ireland. I still haven't. I ha- I still haven't assessed Scotland's play really. Uh-huh. Uh Well, we'll 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 get there when we do our in-depth previews. And Republic exactly. of Ireland, I I equated to Iceland, um, who was was yeah. in pot one that we could have actually drawn, but we didn't. We got Ukraine instead. Uh, is the team that is is should be beatable. We should be getting at least four points out of six against them. And Ukraine is, of course, going to be the big dog in this in this team that we are probably not going to be getting anything off of them. And um, I guess that's fine. But you know what? A, a hopeful point against Ukraine at home or yeah, the, a hard, hard-fought the home away game, point, who knows? The, the home game seems a little bit more realistic because we have only two games during that window. And... Mm-hmm. We are a team that relies much more on chemistry and man management than the Ukraine that uh, everyone plays like at elite level already. Yeah. Uh, they they don't care as much about rotation and that's why they are what they are, you know, where they are. Uh, so during that two game window, I think we can make a difference there. Well, see, during that, so in that first set of games <clears throat> in the in match day two, while we're home to the Republic of Ireland, Scotland and Ukraine are going to be playing against each other. And you know they're going to both be playing their first teams. So in that first yeah. match, Scotland, Scotland's going to want to win. So they're going to play their best team against us on match day one. They're going to play their best team against the Ukraine. And Ukraine's going to do the same. They're playing Ireland. They're going to want to start off strong. They're playing Scotland, who's their direct rival to win this group and win promotion to League A. They're going to want to play their best team. And then we're going to get to the third match day, and we're both going to probably be playing heavily rotated squads. So granted, their quality is much better than ours. Um, but you, you just never know what's going to happen. But I agree with you in that that home game in the second window in September might be the better opportunity. Yeah, and, and, and the, the, the real final, as you mentioned a, a little while ago, a short while ago, It's going to be the two matchups, the two legs against Ireland. Uh, during the first window, the four-game window, that second game day for us, June the 7th against Ireland at home in Yerevan, that's going to be the final for us. We, that's where we have to play our best team. And that not, doesn't necessarily mean, as we always say, that doesn't necessarily mean play your most expensive players, play your best players, quote-unquote, No, you got to play the ones that you know will help the team the most. And mm-hmm. against a team like Ireland, you can perfectly draw comparisons and deploy something very similar or as similar as you could to the team that beat Iceland and dominated Iceland at home 2-0. Yeah. So overall, I think it's safe to say 
Um, our, our goal, our objective as Armenia is very likely, despite what the Federation tells you, is to stay in League B. It's not to get promotion. <laughs> it's not to get relegated. It's to stay put. Um, now, in terms of how this affects European qualifiers, uh, that is yet to be determined. UEFA is going to be releasing that in June prior to the start of the competition. Uh, but it is very likely that uh, it's going to be similar to how it was with the World Cup. Uh, where the uh, the teams that win the league uh, will be put into a quote unquote like playoff type tier ranking, um, or they could go how they did it for the last time, uh, which was that tournament system that they did. But who knows how they're gonna do it? Honestly, bro, um, this this whole nations league thing, the, the like the introduction of the nations league, altering everything, every sort of fixture there was, and now they want to introduce South American teams to the nations league. What the hell, man? Yeah, get a grip with uh. <laughs> that's a money. That's a cash grab. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. that. Yeah. So Jesus. again, again, uh, UEFA Nations League. That's going to start in June. So we have. A long ways to go. But until then, we do have a friendly in March against Lithuania. Um, hopefully, they announce one more friendly by then. I'm sure they will. Um, and we can just see a couple of new faces in action. It's kind of a hope. Uh, and, yeah. So, to wrap up today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the deep changes in Armenian football in this next year that we're expecting. Uh, so, we close our last show with some big news about uh, PSV uh, coming to an agreement of uh, potentially opening an academy in Armenia in 2022. Um, and we're going to close today's show with some more big news concerning Armenian football. Um, so there was a new stadium inaugurated in the town of Armavir by the FFA with the support of FIFA and UEFA. Uh, this was a very big project. 688 million dirhams were spent, about 1.2 million euros, um, most of which was allocated by the FFA. Uh, and the announcement was made by uh, FFA President Armen Melikbekian. Armen? Yes. So, according to President Melikbekian, uh, FC Sadarabat, which is the new club joining the FFA in professional competitions next season, one of the new teams, at least, since Sevan dropped, uh, Sadarabat's youth teams will use the the, the, the Armavir complex to train. So Mr. Malik Pekan also stated that for one of the Armenian Premier League teams, they will be chosen to hold their home games in Armavir, in the, sta- in the new stadium, from around the times for May, March to May, uh, to keep the Republican Stadium in better conditions ahead of the all-important national team games, the Nations League, uh, you know, so the the grass is healthier, greener, and and playable. Considering already too many games from the APL are played at the Hanrabedagan, the Republican Stadium already, uh, as well as actually Avan Academy Stadium, where most of the youth national team games are, are played. So, uh, Armavir Stadium and the complex as a whole will in a way, balance things out for the Republican Stadium and Navan Academy Stadium. On a parallel note, actually, it will also be bringing more traffic and tourism into the town of Armavir. That's beautiful, uh, which is 
basically the federalization and democratization of the country, like tourism outside of Yerevan, which was vastly needed. Armenia was, as most people know, hardly anything outside of Yerevan uh, until now, but not anymore. This move comes as one of the ways to help that. And the Armavir Stadium is going to be where the U21 national team will play the upcoming home games at least for the time being, right? So, in fact, summing up, in 2022 already, the upcoming, as we said, Armenia U21 game against the Ukraine. So, again, uh, why do we get the Ukraine everywhere already? And and, uh, Ireland in in the U19, whoa, uh, pass cross. Okay, we will be playing the Ukraine on the new pitch. This brings me, this reminds me of how uh, in the Ukraine, that new sensational club, uh, Kolos Kovalivka, uh, gray and black, that played European football, they saw the Ukraine U21 beat us uh, in the first leg and take the three points after a 2-1 win, which we actually played pretty well. Uh, So, yeah, keep this in mind. Save the date, because after that first game at Kolos Stadium in the Ukraine, I would say that a fairly competitive game is to be expected. And adding on to the show, and honestly... Seeing how we play, why not take the three points for ourselves in in the new stadium, right? So that's very important. Important if you're in Armenia by that time, please go watch the game, the U21 national team game against Ukraine. But in other news, the reconstruction of the stadium in Vanazor, in another city, in another town, should be done by the end of March 2022 as well. So March is going to be packed for Armenian football. And another one in Abovian, but this one will be around May. Uh, that's when it's going to be ready. So uh, bottom line, counting these, t- these two t- uh, stadiums, Abovian Stadium and Vanazor Stadium, adding on to the aforementioned one in Armavir, the complex, the new big complex, this would all mean that we would have three pretty modern and modernized pitches and complexes that range uh, a capacity of from 300, uh, 3,000, I'm sorry, to 5,000 uh, capacity. That's, that's nice. All three of them, in my opinion, will be looking for conference league in European football. Uh, so... That's a pretty big step, from, in my opinion, for Armenian football. Yeah, and this this also comes uh, after, you know, we had this discussion maybe several episodes ago now about the possibility of a, uh, the, the FFA looking into the possibility of opening a new national team stadium. And that was put on the back burner due to the war. Uh, and that is currently still being explored and will very likely come to fruition at some point, uh, which will be, you know, a new UEFA at least, you know, class two or class one stadium where we can mm-hmm. host Europa League finals, Champions League finals, Conference League finals. And that's where the national team home game, uh, home games will be played. Uh, but 
we're not trying to play sides here, but what the current current federation yeah. and what Mr. Melik Bekian is doing in terms of infrastructural progress in Armenia is is insane. It's incredible. And not only are they building stadiums, they're building pitches. They've built 81 different pitches across the country, all focused outside of Yerevan. And we, we had this conversation um, uh, when we had Anna Tadevosyan on, and she gave us a little mm-hmm. bit more insight about how the Federation realized that, you know, Sure, uh, Yerevan's great and all, but there is so much talent to tap into outside. And not only talent and, and expressing, you know, allowing little girls to express themselves in a different way and, and you know, making helping make cultural and social strides uh, and, and progressions. It, it's, but, it's what's fair, you know. Exactly. So our time seems to be coming. Uh, hopefully 2022 will be a better year for, for Armenia uh, in not just footballing terms, but in general. And yeah. um, let's see what happens. Um, guys, this was our last show of the year. Uh, is there anything you want to add to the listeners before we sign off? Uh, happy holidays, first and foremost, right? Yeah, happy holidays to everyone. Shannon, <laughs> anything you want to say before we sign off? Well, we're hoping for uh, big things, like Aram, you said, uh, for our country and also for uh, footballing terms for our country, but mm-hmm. also for better uh, things that we can provide and help you guys with to listen to, to follow, and to learn more about our football that we love to share and write about. Yes, and on that note, uh, don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias. Uh, we have a website. Challenge works really hard in updating that. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, and Instagram. We're on Facebook. We upload all of our episodes on YouTube, so click subscribe there as well. And um, on behalf of everyone here, on behalf of Tito, who is not with us today, uh, and happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. We, we celebrate Haftanak. Yeah, we celebrate Happy Haftanak. That's what we celebrate. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see you guys in 2022. All the love from Football Game Tone. Peace. <laughs>